0: FOMO My name's Patrick McGinnis, and I'll admit it, I have FOMO. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you do too. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you learn to channel your FOMO productively, you can make the most of every opportunity while keeping your sanity in the process. This is FOMO Sapiens After Hours, the snackable show about how you can make FOMO a force for good. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens After Hours, Patrick McGinnis here, and it's January, which means, and we talked about this last week, we're trying to start new things. As you know, New Year's resolutions, I don't believe in them, but I do believe in starting new habits and doing new things, so maybe it's all theoretical at this point, but I have something special to tell you about. Tomorrow, January 12th, something big is happening. I have partnered with a company called Himalaya, which is a huge audio education company to release my first ever course. I've never done a course before. I've had course FOMO, okay? Like I've wanted to do a course over the years, but I never found the right way to do it. And then Himalaya came a call in and they said, do you wanna do a course about the 10% Entrepreneur, which is my first book published way back in 2016. And it was great timing because I thought to myself, the message of that book is so relevant for right now as so many people are struggling to reinvent themselves in this crazy time. And so tomorrow, January 12th, we are going to launch The audio course, how to be a part-time entrepreneur. And as part of that, we're going to have a giveaway. So if you want to get entered to win my book, The 10% Entrepreneur, Live Your Startup Dream Without Quitting Your Day Job, which will be signed by me, go to himalaya.com slash part-time. That's P-A-R-T-T-I-M-E and use the promo code part-time. Now, We had to have a little FOMO element, of course, in doing this because, you know, I can't help myself. And so only the first 50 people to sign up will be entered in the giveaway. And it only lasts for two days. So you have until January 14th. So you gotta sign up quick. And also, this is exclusive to US listeners. We've had a lot of problems in the past sending books overseas, unfortunately. So while I love all of you globally, and I apologize, especially because you know that I love the international stuff. This offer is for U.S. listeners exclusively. Now, if you miss it, if you download this next week and you hear and you're kicking yourself, don't worry, because after the giveaway ends, you can get a 14-day free trial using the promo code part-time when you check out at himalaya.com slash part-time. So this keeps going. Now, you're going to be hearing more about this because this week's FOMO Sapiens is actually going to be a free episode of that course. So the course is set up like a podcast. And so I'm going to give you episode one for free, a little snack, a little taste, as it were, of what the course is about. And in that episode, I'll explain more who Himalaya is and all the details. I don't want to get into that today. We have too many other things to talk about, but come back on Thursday, this Thursday, for the first episode of How to Be a Part-Time Entrepreneur. You'll check it out. You'll see what it is. And if you like it, then you can go to Himalay.com parttime part-time, use that code part-time, and get your free 14-day trial. And now we get back to your regularly scheduled programming. As you will remember from last week's episode, talking to Jimmy Tosico of Super Coffee, they hired an ethicist when they were worried about their bro culture. And in fact, that article from the Wall Street Journal that brought my attention to this was called NYC Coffee Startup Tamps Down Bro Culture by Hiring Philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What a great hi- Whoever wrote that headline should get a promotion. And they continued in the little sub... Subheadline: a locker room vibe was brewing until the founding brothers hired an ethical risk consultant. And I have that very ethical risk consultant, that philosopher here on the show today. His name is Reed Blackman, and he's the founder and CEO of Virtue Consultants. Now, Reed is a senior advisor to Ernst Young and sits on their artificial intelligence advisory board. Moreover, his work has been profiled, as you saw in the journal, Moreover, Reed has contributed pieces to the Harvard Business Review, TechCrunch, VentureBeat, and the always fun to read Risk & Compliance magazine. Now, Reed's got a PhD from University of Texas at Austin, and he's also received degrees from Northwestern and Cornell. That's fancy. Now to get started, I asked Reed to explain exactly what it means to be an ethicist focused on the world of business and technology.
1: Right. So I was a philosophy professor for a while. So I spent almost 20 years in academia, 10 years as a professor, plus seven years of grad school, plus four years of undergrad. So I've been researching, talking about, reading about ethics for a long time. Um, and now what it amounts to is helping businesses, senior leaders think through how to actually put ethical values into action in their companies.
0: Now, if we think about, obviously ethics is something that goes back to the, the roots of philosophy that was studied by the Greeks and folks a long time ago. You can tell we, <laughs> I took, <we> folks. <laughs> you can tell I studied philosophy during my, during my semester in Baden, Argentina. Uh, but, but, but the point is that this is, these is, this is ancient wisdom that we apply to our world today. And I guess as as, a, as somebody who has a PhD in philosophy and does a, a sort of studies ethics on a, on a everyday basis, do the, does the wisdom of the people that came from thousands of years ago is it, is it so universal that it's easy to apply today, or do you have to constantly be innovating in order to make it applicable?
1: So this is not about what's the wisdom of the ancient Greek philosophers and how do we apply it to today, which is good because they disagreed a lot. I mean, Plato disagreed with Socrates, disagreed with Aristotle, disagreed with the Stoics, disagreed with the Epicureans, blah, blah, blah. So it's not as though there's a monolithic ancient Greek ethical perspective. What I do, and this is what a lot of contemporary ethicists do, is they think carefully about contemporary moral problems. You know, in the medical field, you'll talk about abortion, you'll talk about euthanasia. Um, in, in, say, law, you might talk about the justifiability, if any, of capital punishment, you know, about what, what constitutes an ethical or just immigration policy. And so there are just lots of ethical issues, and it helps a great deal if you know a lot about the ways that these conversations can go, the avenues that they can go down, the dead ends that you can run into knowing important ethical distinctions, knowing how to test. If you like ethical hypotheses, is that principle really legitimate? Um, You should always just defer to whatever the local culture says, for instance, this is just an example. We're deploying a product in this country and what we should do is just defer to local norms. That's pretty common. But then again, if the local norms uh, include having, you know, engaging in systematic oppression of women or engaging in racist policies, then you might think, ooh, maybe it's not the right thing to do to just defer to local norms. So how should we think about these things? What are the relevant distinctions? Under what conditions ought we to defer or not to defer? Um, And if you have lots of these conversations and you've read a bunch of the literature and you've taught these things and researched these things, then what you can do is not act as a priest so I don't go to my, my clients and say, I'm going to provide you with my priestly wisdom or something along those lines. I say, look, here's the landscape. Here are the options. Here's what's on the menu. And here's how to deliberate about what would make a good choice on that menu.
0: Tudo bem, meus queridos sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel So that's what you did with Jimmy Desico of Super Coffee. So he was your student. He was back at Colgate. Was he? Was he a good student? He
1: he he was enthusiastic. Does that, does that, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that,
0: that's a non-answer.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a kind of answer. It's you know, in philosophy, uh, if you're writing recommendations for grad school, people would you know sort of infamously say, "Well, if the letter says that they have excellent handwriting, they haven't told you they're not a great student, but they've implied it." Okay. So (laughs) Jimmy was good. He was good. I mean, he would tell you, he wasn't ready. You know, he wasn't about to go on to grad school or anything, but he was an, you know, an interested and engaged student.
0: Right. And so he calls you up one day and he says, listen, we need your help at super coffee. So he wanted you to come in and make sure that their culture would be one in which they could avoid, or they could structure their culture in a way that they would avoid having problems of the nature that came up in the Me Too movement and other sort of um, scandals that have happened. So what did you do when you went into the company? What, were the, what was the process of, of helping him to, to think through that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, and this was a case in which I thought a good defense is a good, op- no, a good offense is a good defense. <laughs> So rather than just trying to play, you know, trying to be reactive to scandals, right? I'm not a person you come to if you just want to sort of PR response to a crisis to say an ethical crisis or a too crisis. The question was, all right, look at the time that I started to work with them, I think there were 17 people. So, mm-hmm. you know, very small, but they had recently, I think they were on the cusp of, of closing their series. A, so they are going to have um, a lot of money, a lot of hires, expanding culture, et cetera, et cetera. And, the first thing to do is to help them to articulate what their ethical values actually were. And they would say things that were frankly, relatively vague. And I don't know what that meant, right? So they would say, we're for, I'll just give you a quick, quick example, something like we're for positivity and positive action. And okay. What the hell does that mean? What do you, what do you mean you're for positivity? You just want people to do high fives? What, or what, what do you want? What does that mean? What does that actually mean? We want people to live healthier lives. Okay. Healthier lives. So for instance, um, You're concerned about uh, AIDS or cancer? You want to do cancer prevention? Of course you don't. So give me more. It can't just be about health. Okay, well, we're really concerned about the quantity of sugar that's in people's diets. Okay, so you're concerned about a certain lifestyle that means that there's too much added sugar, and that leads to um, things like obesity, diabetes, and so on. Yes. Okay, so that's, that's something a little bit more concrete. That's something that we can do something with, right? And so... That's that's an example of, of trying to help them drill down to articulate what it is they're really going after. You know, the same kind of thing happens with you know we're, we're team players. We're a team. All right. So what does it mean to be a team? What does that? Well, we collaborate. Okay. What does collaboration entail? So on and so. And so you can keep drilling down until you get something that's not just um, an abstract ethical value, but it's in some way articulated in something that they want to do or achieve.
0: So I guess what I'm hearing from you is rather than throwing out a bunch of platitudes, you need to be specific because if you're specific, then you can develop policies that actually will lead to the outcomes that you seek to have. Is that a fair way of putting it?
1: Yeah, you need to be specific. You want to tie it to, you know, one way of sort of, if you like two ways to push people to articulate their values in a more concrete way. One is to say, okay, if you value X, then you'd probably be willing to do A, B, or C. And for that one to do it A, B, or C, then I'm going to probably call BS that you actually. Oh wait, this is late night, right? This is after hours.
0: That's okay. You can. You no swearing. No swearing. No swearing. <laughs> no. Even like, after hours, we don't after swear. After hours.
1: After I, I could be naked on this thing, and I can't <laughs> swear.
0: <laughs> you <did> yes.
1: <laughs> um, another way to push people is to ask them why they value something, because different reasons for valuing it will inform different strategies that you'll undertake to to um to achieve
0: that value. That reminds me so much of the hashtag activism we saw this year. Companies going on Twitter or social media and posting about things that they supposedly cared about, but when they actually had to put resources behind them, actually make changes that were painful, how many of them actually did anything? That's a good question. I hope somebody's measuring that and can let us know next year. And then they're gonna have to call you, Reed. They're gonna need an ethicist. All right. Ree Blackman, thanks for coming by. FOMO. Want more of FOMO Sapiens and After Hours? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at McGinnis.